Welcome to App Talk with Uptick. Each week, we dive into the nitty-gritty of how to grow mobile apps and games. We speak with industry experts about specific strategies, tools, and tactics they use to find success. We keep you up to date with emerging news and trends in the ever-changing mobile app ecosystem. My name is Andrew Gosta, growth lead here at Uptick, and joining me today is Warren Woodward, co-founder of Uptick. Cool. So we're going to try something a little bit different this week. Uh, we don't have a guest, which is okay because we have a lot of very interesting news. Um, we're going to give you guys some updates on what's going on, and we have a few other things we want to cover. So Warren, do you want to take us away from the top? Yeah. And yeah, we're trying something different this week, as Andrew said. So give us feedback. People have said they like the news segments, and there's a lot going on this week, so we didn't want to skip it. Uh, also up top, we want to announce um, kind of some a new area of focus that we're working on here at Uptick. We're, we're doubling down in our research in the NFT gaming space. Um, a lot of us on the team think that this is going to be like, you know, a very dominant emerging trend in mobile gaming in particular uh, the next couple of years. So there's a few things going on. We're going to be planning an industry roundtable. We'll probably be doing some podcast topics on this. And we're also interested in speaking to developers that are making games that are uh, integrating you know, NFT-based economies and gameplay. So if you are working in any of those areas or interested in talking about that, uh, email us. We have a new email set up. It's apptalk at uptick.com, U-P-P-T-I-C.com. And uh, hit us up. We'd love to talk. So Xander, you want to kick us off for the news this week? Some big stories. Yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of news this week, which is good. Um, plenty to cover. Couple acquisitions. So we'll start with the first acquisition, the uh, which it just broke this morning, which is Ironsource acquiring Tapjoy. And the, a few quotes from Ironsource specifically. Uh, Today, Ironsource announced an agreement to acquire Tapjoy, the San Francisco-based mobile advertising and app monetization company. Like our recent acquisition, this deal is about a commit our commitment to continually deepening and broadening the Ironsource platform so that it provides more value and support in growing your app or game business. This acquisition will give you greater access to diversity demand and supply, helping you to generate more revenue, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, so the definitive agreement for Tapjoy, this is a definitive agreement from Ironsource to buy Tapjoy for $400 million in crash. And I think this is a really, really logical thing for Ironsource to do. And I'll sort of explain why I think that that is. So first and foremost, it expands their SDK coverage, especially outside the gaming segment, which has been a key initiative of growth of the, growth for them for some time. And so they're basically able to just buy organic, uh, inorganic SDK coverage, which is really, really valuable for their company. Um, it also is a predictive and accretive revenue stream in a business segment where they're already a major player. They already have a um, offer wall product. And so this is a very obvious, like just bolt-on acquisition, which gives them access to Tapjoy's non-trivial book of business. And they're also able to snap up a, a competitor with a competing product and take it off the market for another uh, competitor, someone like, I don't know, Applevin to, to, to buy. Um, obviously this is on the heels of Applevin, Applevin buying Mopub last week. And so obviously these are the two major competitors in this, uh, two of the biggest players in the space. And I think We'll talk about other people in the mediation space who are making major moves. Um, but I mean, I think this is a very logical, logical thing for them to do. It's basically just fits into their normal business. Uh, now they have obviously the reward of video interstitial. They have the offer wall, offer wall topic, um, offer wall offer as well. And they also have their OEM on device um, service. So it's just sort of building the battleship. I mean, Warren, what do you, what do you think about this acquisition overall? Yeah, it was a very surprising move. Um, Tapjoy is, you know, I, th I think 
a few years back, they were more of a dominant player. I mean, still extremely relevant ad network in the industry. And um, uh, the, the price actually seems pretty modest. Um, one thing I've been noticing is sort of like a meta narrative. I mean, every week we're covering uh, multiple multiple acquisitions. This week's no different. And one thing I'm seeing as a meta narrative is uh, sort of like many many kingdoms phoning, forming of uh, these now conglomerates, like more fully owning an aspect or multiple aspects of the ecosystem. Right. And you touched on it, Xander, but this play for me is, you know, Ironsource now pretty clearly being the leader in offer wall specifically. Right. Now that I don't think is the um, the most exciting aspect of Ironsource's business, but you know, if you take, uh, I'd say historically people use one of those two, Ironsource or Tapjoy for, for offer wall traffic, which, you know, is, is really only relevant on Android, but it's, it's still meaningful. There's really only one brand name after, after that acquisition. And I think we're going to see that trend uh, continue of, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that's kind of been a critique of mine in the past. Um, and a, a reason I've been hesitant uh, to like invest personally in, in a lot of these companies is uh, a lot of the in-app networks had a lot of redundancy in right. what the function of their, their company was. And you could uh, essentially accomplish the same business goal working with a number of interchangeable players. They're starting to craft their own identities now right. and and get more and more differentiated. And I think this is um, it's a positive step. It's not the biggest uh, most exciting area to have ownership of, but I, I do like IronSource like cementing ownership of that area. Yeah, and it makes a ton of sense. I mean, we use IronSource a lot. It's one of our, I'd say, like top five or six networks. Yeah, and you know, it just gives us one more reason to do business with them. We were already using their uh, off-wall product, and we were using TapTroy's off-wall product, and now we're just going to be doing it from one place, and that's easier for us and one billing source and one rep. And it just you know, over time, obviously, these are two di different companies right now still, um, but over time, I'm sure they're going to consolidate them, and it's just like one more reason to go to IronSource, and it's a good argument for them to have, plus inorganic growth because I'm sure they're you know they always want to show growth. Right, right, yeah. The, the essentially, IronSource is getting anyone who who was doing uh, offer wall traffic that wasn't their current customer is basically now an IronSource customer. Exactly. Cool. So we have another uh, acquisition. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, this one is not as huge, but I think still worth uh, worth talking about. So this one is a article from John Cossier at Forbes, uh, who had a very busy week this week. <laughs> and uh, this is Inmobi uh, acquiring AppSumer. So Inmobi is another large ad network, DSP and Admon platform. And AppSumer, I would best describe as, uh, if you're not familiar with them, a competitor to Singular. So uh, like an aggregation and analytics platform. Right. Um, they have a few notable clients like uh, Miniclip and Gameloft. Uh, in some ways, I see this as kind of like a smaller version of the app loving acquisition of Adjust. Now, uh, AppSumer uh, is not an MMP, but they have a similar function of being like a neutral marketing measurement uh, tool set, right? right? And so it's another play of we have uh, a party that's clearly not neutral and an ad network acquiring one of these neutral measurement systems. Right. Um, so a couple poll quotes from the article. Uh, so AppSumer will run independently. Uh, and Inmobi representative said, they'll be part of the solution Inmobi offers to performance marketing clients to help them evolve out of homegrown measurement solutions. The acquisition gives Inmobi a wide range of mobile focused solutions, content app monetization, marketing stack tools, ad targeting tools, uh, an ad exchange, a demand side platform for advertisers, 
um, an InMobi tool set for app publishers, plus telco, solu telco solutions for connecting their customers and monetizing their mobile experience beyond the monthly or pay-as-you-go bill. So um, they also call in this, this article, uh, there's positioning that AppSumer is essentially going to be adding a predictive layer of analytics to be able to mm. measure all marketing channels side by side. And I think that is, uh, we're not an AppSumer client and I haven't been in the past, so I don't know if this is a current product or something that's in their roadmap, but this is a critical area to be building out right now. Um, in our R&D and, and uh, engineering team at Uptake, it's been a main area of focus for us, really just to, to do our jobs first and foremost. I mean, we have more ambitious goals for what we're building with that side of things, but um, yeah, people that have heard me talk or engage with me recently have probably heard me rant about like, we, we can't do iOS UA without having a predictive layer in our right. measurement system. Um, that, that era is, is over. So um, I do think if AppSumer is focusing on that area, it makes AppSumer a more valuable acquisition for this. I know, Xander, you, you obviously came from Singular uh, mm -hmm. and kind of know that, that space of the, um, the aggregation and, and, and measurement side of things. What do you think of this deal? It's, it's a little bit of a strange one on the surface level, like this pairing. Um, what, what are your thoughts behind this? Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of called it out. There's not an obvious synergy between these businesses. Um, I think, I guess, I guess you know, I, I don't, I've never used out of these products myself. So, I mean, AppSumer from like a conceptual level, I mean, it's a tool that most marketers will need is some sort of analytics layer to understand what's going on in order to make informed decisions. Um, now, if I was in Mobi or a company like in Mobi, it makes sense to be able to see what other people are doing on other networks. <laughs> so it does, it, it you know, they, they are claiming this to be run as an independent company. I would be very skeptical if that's the case long long run. I mean, they are maybe operating independently now, but long-term, if you're a mobile ad network and you're buying an mediation or not, uh, um, you know, an analytics platform, which gives you insight into how all the other, how advertisers right. are advertising across a number of networks, there's no way that data stays siloed forever, right? Cause that's core business data for your other business. And so long-term, I mean, it, it's sort of similar to what AppFlyer is doing with, uh, sorry, AppLevin is doing with Adjust and all the right. other, there are other, Steps is to just consolidate power across large verticals of the, uh, you know, large verticals, basically vertically integrating the ecosystem. And so it makes sense from that perspective. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know either of these companies well enough to have like a really, really informed opinion. No, that makes sense. And, and that's really obvious that I didn't think about it. Just like having that uh, insight into, you know, for a, a meaningful swath of the ecosystem, how much they spend and where they spend it um, right. allows them to be very strategic in how they uh, do their own sales of uh, well, the and product services. development and M&A right. and like everything else right. that you can do right. with proprietary data. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the mobile ETF uh, theme continues. Yeah, unsurprisingly. So we have a little bit of a I don't know, min mini scandal this week. I don't know, allegedly for this next story. Xander, yeah. you want to get into it? So I'll call this out. So this is another John Cotier article. Um, so like you said, he's, he's been doing good work this week. Um, the article titled Report colon Apple 11 SDK rerouted Apple's SDK traffic post back to itself. And so just a little bit of context at the top. I think that there's some disputing whether or not what happened in this report is, it's not clear what's happened, but I'm gonna sort, we're going to sort of lay out what's, what this article lays out. Um, and what this is, is a, is a conglomeration of uh, pull quotes and you know, first party accounts from people within the mobile dev memo uh, Slack group, as well as Sufert had a quote in the article. Um, and so just that's the sort of framing of what the alleged scandal is. And we'll sort of walk through that now. So here's a couple of quotes from the article to sort of lay out the groundwork. Um, first one, there have been several reports within the gaming vertical that AppLevin Max 
MaxAds SDK is overriding and setting by default their own endpoint to catch all iOS 15 scan pushback copies, which contains very sensitive attribution data. And a little bit further down the article, this was caught when developers from big game studios reviewed the build process from their iOS apps when using uh, app Love and Max Ads Unity SDK, they noticed their endpoints were automatically replaced while building their apps. App Levin set the, the App Levin endpoint with their highest priority, effectively overriding the configuration developers may have set. And then uh, they also they claim that this was documented. App Levin claimed that this was documented in uh, in their Unity plugin. But this, so the quote was from Appleven was currently Apple supports a single end, uh, endpoint and Appleven supports forwarding this data to multiple endpoints for convenience. However, they've gone and they've they've they said that, but then they've went and in their new versions of their SDK, they've overridden this core functionality. So all that is to say is like this is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly sketchy, and it continues to just the trend of Apple just being incredibly, incredibly, incredibly sketchy. And it's another example of their like win at any cost capitalism mentality, which is why they're such a successful business. I have more thoughts here, but Warren, do you have any initial takes? Yeah, I threw that quote in there about it being for convenience because yeah, I thought that, I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. So yeah, and and just to you know make sure Xander, I'll talk this through and make sure like everyone's understanding of this is correct. So basically, with with SK Ad Network postbacks like. There, you know, these can we've we've talked about this in the past. These can now be sent directly to the developer, like, um, and rather than the default, which would would send these posts back to the de developer, Apple and said, "Hey, uh, you know, we're just going to go ahead and send them all to ourselves first, right. and th then forward them to you after that." Is that essentially your read of of how this was implemented? Yeah, and it would not only that is it would strip out if you had set it to yourself first, it would strip that out and send to Apple and instead. <laughs> So right. Like as it compiles, which is crazy. It's like the most malicious thing you can possibly imagine doing. And it's like, it, man, I, so I don't know. I'm gonna, so disclosure, I'm an Apple Event shareholder. I think that from a business perspective, the company are brutally efficient and ruthless and that, you know, this is not financial advice, but you wouldn't, you could do worse than holding Apple Event shares. From like an ethical perspective, man, this is just like another example of them over and over again, just doing whatever it takes to help Apple Event. I mean, so what, like, what have they done so far? They've integrated uh first they were an ad networks and they then they then produced content to compete with other uh other advertisers on their own network then they uh, lifted folded max ads into the uh the equation so that they're able to see basically do do much of bidding and have a much more broad data set which they can use to inform their ad network side as well as their content marketing side or sorry content side which is the game side then they bought an attribution provider which gives them literally all the insight of all the attribution data across everyone who uses the attribution provider and then then this is just an example of them saying hey we're going to just gobble up more and more and more data into our content fortress and it's like they're, it's a it's monopoly i don't know how else to describe this i mean and they're it's very clear that they're not going to do they're not being an unbiased arbiter. Like they will just do what's best for Apple event. And like, I don't know, it's, there's, there's, you should be cautious to do business with this company because they don't care about you. They care about themselves. And to be clear, like we, we partner with Apple event. We do a lot of business with them. As Xander said, you know, he's, he's a shareholder. Um, but yeah, you got to watch these moves. I mean, they're in, in, uh, I guess, in defense of Apple event, you know, they, they claim like all of the code was, was publicly available on, on, GitHub, like nothing was hidden about this, right. um, but it definitely it gives me an uneasy feeling. I would, let's just say I would greatly prefer that they didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. And 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen Max ads work. I mean, it works really, really well. And then when yeah, you them, they're great at what they do, and they've been acquiring great companies. And like, yeah, and like the the Max ads bidding platform. So when you have Max ads, you can use them to bid on advertisers, and it works incredibly well. But at the end of the day, you have to know that they're still eating your data, and they're going to go and probably launch a competitor game at some point. So just just be aware. Yeah, I feel like they just need like to be running these moves before by their PR department before they execute on them sometimes. I just don't think they. I just don't think they care. I, it literally, it really reminds me of like yeah. early Facebook, where it was just like we're going to do whatever it takes to become a dominant player in the space and try and stop us. You know, and like the consumers don't care. Try and stop us. You know, that's right. really what it and, seems like. And maybe part of that is just tied to like uh, you know our industry is so performance focused. So at the end of the day, similar to what you said about Facebook, if people can partner with App Levin and now their you know family of companies and it lets their business run more profitably from a UA perspective from an admon perspective um, that's going to be a lot more higher value than you know if you uh, have a little distaste at some of the specific moves they make at the end of the day I've heard so many people say you know, anecdotally like over the years of like why they aren't going to do business with App Levin or why they you know why they frown on a particular move but at the end of the day we all keep doing business with them well, a know? lot of people do yeah, yeah. most huge swaths the industry continue to yeah okay well you know another day um so, okay but we have one other really big announcement which i think uh born you want to cover which i think is really interesting as well yeah this one came in hot right before the podcast and it was part of why we're like well we got to jump on today so um unity ads revealed uh ad mediation and bidding is coming to its dashboard so uh this is from a venture beat article um, and the crazy thing is, like, I, I saw the headline and I assume they announced that they're going to be building this. This is live and in beta today. So Unity basically just flipped a, flipped a switch and they're an ad mediation platform. Yeah. They weren't yesterday, they are today. And that is big news. So for uh, a poll quote, um, Unity, Unity Mediation, which enters open beta today, is a waterfall management tool or sequential project management app that allows users to choose between unified auction, network bidding, preferred ad networks, or all three. The new tools are designed to maximize ad fill for developers and for users to potentially see more ads that are relevant to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Felix Thay, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, uh, VP of product management at Unity, he said, uh, we don't want a game developer that wants to create content to worry about monetization or advertising. That is the area where we feel we can hopefully make their lives a lot easier or simpler. Um, and I think that is a very relevant quote. So the, the, this is huge for a few reasons. Um, so we talk to a lot of developers and particularly with small and medium-sized developers, if they've built their app on Unity, Unity is often the only ad serving SDK in the app. And the reason it's there is because it was already there. If right. you built your platform on Unity, there's not another trans uh, integration you have to do. So that whole segment that previously was only using Unity for ad monetization, they, they look under their chairs today and they have a mediation platform in right. their app. And that's huge because Massive. now now they have, the from, from a developer's perspective, this is great because all of a sudden with you know no big engineering workload, you have the ability to have mul multiple ad providers. We know how much value that adds versus just having a singular Massive. ad provider in your yeah. stack, yeah. And you know the, the, the quote from Felix, um, they're, they instantly, probably as soon as they come out of beta, they'll probably instantly be uh, playing for the top slot for ad mediation right. overnight. So there's basically Max Ads, which we just talked about, Iron Source, and now Unity when this fully comes online. 
And it's because they have so much market share with just flipping the switch. Um, yeah. So it, it, the, the other thing that, that is, should be a takeaway from this, I don't even think Unity needs to be the best mediation platform to necessarily right. win this war because it's the path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, Xander, you, you work with all these companies. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this move? I know you, you also are a game developer in your free time. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts from like a developer perspective too. Yeah, well, so another financial disclosure, I do own a lot of Unity stock as well. It's actually, you're learning a lot about my portfolio right now. My second largest position, um, I am incredibly bullish on Unity in the long run, uh, just as a company overall. I think that the that company's ability to monetize is just in its infancy, and they're you know predominantly monetizing through their operations wing, which this falls into. Um, it obviously gives them another lever uh, for monetization on the mediation side outside of just the traditional uh, advertising operation side. Um, but I think, I mean, Unity is incredibly easy to use as a product from, for a de- from a developer perspective, and it owns like 70 or 80% of the market share for the product. Uh, Especially, especially when we read these stories about people like Apple and, and how sketchy someone like Max Ads is, you know, Unity for better or for worse doesn't have that reputation. They provide an incredibly powerful tool for free to the majority of their users. And so talk about just like a completely different perspective of how users, enter, you know, the goodwill that they generate with their customers. It's just like a night and day difference. And if they can hit a switch and you can say, okay, you have Unity mediation. Uh, you don't need to talk to IronSource. You don't need to talk to Apple I mean, great. You know, I, I hate ads in games, generally speaking, but if I was going to put ads in games, I'd probably, you know, my first stop would, my first look would be here. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on what a big announcement this is. I just checked the Unity stock price. It's up like 2% for yeah. the day, it's which like is not like even the registered. same as the NASDAQ. Yeah, yeah, I think people don't understand the nuance of, of how significant this is. They, they have a whole nother business category now. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge deal, and I'm very excited to see how this bakes out. Uh, and I think this competition is, <laughs> with so, so much consolidation every week, all we're talking about is consolidation. Competing products is really good, always. And, you know, they're, they have an incredibly proven track record of providing very, very, you know, very strong products. I mean, less so on the operation side, but on the developer side, it's like, you know, best in market. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm really bullish to see where this goes. Awesome. Well, that's our stories for the week. Uh, like we said, this is this is a quick episode, kind of spontaneous. Uh, we are right now booking the next season of guests for App Talk with Uptick. We love talking with uh, you know anyone in like C level or leadership roles and and founders uh, in particular and getting their insights. Um, I think we are going to do a quick app of the week though this week, right? Yeah, we are. I just all say is if you're if you are interested in talking and getting on the podcast, just uh, hit us up. We love having interesting guests on. So excited to book out this next segment of guests. Um, Warren, do you, you want to go first for app of the week? Yeah, I think we. It looks like we might have both similar theme apps today. So um, my app this week, which is kind of boring but significant, is uh, Clear. So Clear, a lot of people might know them from like you know the airport and like the mm-hmm. basically like you know the. The, the fast lane at the airport. Um, but they have, uh, I, I recently downloaded and started using the Clear app because I'm starting to go back out in the world and do things like go to nice. shows and concerts, you know? Um, and uh, it's a simple but significant thing. Um, I think, you know, we have, uh, basically you just like scan your vaccine information in there. And so then you, you don't need to be carrying a, your actual vaccine card around with you. You just have a digital pass. Um, but I think it's more like a hint of, uh, I don't think this is like a COVID only thing. I think we now have all this infrastructure set up for how we're going to be, be dealing with like the, you know, the next smaller version of, of COVID. And, and uh, beyond that, I think 
we're getting multiple signals of moving to like an era of like digital identities that are easily, um, you know, tracked in both helpful ways, like the Clear app letting you, you know, go see a comedy show, um, but also uh, potentially scary ways. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on this, Xander? Yeah. Um, one time I went through Clear at the airport and I scanned my fingerprints in and I was like, I had like a sinking feeling of hitting my stomach for like, eight, like weeks to a year after that. I like, I really just, I don't trust any company with this type of information. That being said, we're in an increasingly digital world. And so I think you are really not paying attention if you don't think this is the way of the future. My main concern is like, this is a privately traded company. Like they are going to do what's good for themselves first and foremost. Uh, you know, it really seems like the digital identity space should be owned by either a government um, or a decentralized entity, like we're seeing with, with stuff that's happening with blockchain. Um, yeah. So I'm just, I'm fairly concerned about <laughs> this, all this information about people's identities uh, being in uh, one place and specifically a private company's place. Um, and we yeah. look at Facebook, all you need is look at Facebook for understanding why that's an issue. Um, yeah, I fully agree with that. I would feel a lot better if this was, yeah, a decentralized entity or, or even a government ent entity. At least you have, yeah. in theory, control over the government uh, with not so much. On Xander, what's, uh, what'd you bring this week? Yeah, mine's kind of boring, um, but I've my app this week is Kayak. I've been sort of researching trips. I want to go scuba diving somewhere nice sometime, sometime soon. And so uh, I downloaded the Kayak app and I was using that. And I think it's a, it's a really, really convenient app. I'd never really used it before. I think the key feature that I really like is you put in uh, your dates or, you know, a date range and where you want to go and where you want to, where you're coming from, where you're going. And they do like a, a gradient chart showing which days of the week are the most expensive. Like they basically grade them uh, green to red. So this is a cheap day of the week. This is an expensive day of the week. It really helps you just at a glance understand when you should be traveling, uh, when, when you can be traveling, when you should be traveling most cost efficiently. So, uh, if you want to travel, uh, use Kayak and then use Clear to <laughs> get, get to the airport security quickly. I know, Warren, uh, have you used Kayak and or you got any trips planned? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely like a Kayak uh, power user. Nice. I, I was kind of surprised to hear such something so so boomer on your list this week, Xander. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely like Kayak season. Again, um, I've I've been looking up a lot of potential trips. Uh, one thing that I would note about Kayak, I don't know how they do their deals on the back end. But there are certain companies that are not indexed by Kayak that you probably would think. So we, we live on the West Coast in the US and um, Southwest Airlines usually has the cheapest flights. Southwest, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, like their pricing isn't indexed on, on Kayak. So oh, weird. yeah, I almost, it, it's kind of uh, maybe akin to how uh, Yelp gives like preferred, allegedly like kind of preferred uh, search results to uh, certain businesses, depending on their partnership with them. I don't know. Paying, paying customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's got to be that they don't get a kickback, right? So Kayak gets a kickback from the referral fee for a lot of these. And they basically arbitrage. They get a cheaper flight and arbitrage the value. I think that's how they make their money. Is there arbitrage in value that the company would pay on the open market to Kayak? They basically get a discount. And that's what they're, they're pocketing. Yeah, it's, an, it's an affiliate model. I think yeah, exa day. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think Southwest is like, screw you guys. I'm not going to give it to you so they don't list them. Yeah, I mean, I booked a lot of... Um, business on, or not, uh, travel on the Amex app, which is gives you good discounts as well. So that maybe is, that's even more of a boomer of an app. But anyway, <laughs> cool. Um, that's it for this week. We said we're going to keep it short. Uh, Warren, do you want to take us out? Sure thing. Yeah. So as always, this week's App Talk with Uptick was brought to you by our team here at Uptick. You've probably heard our spiel by now, but we basically do two things. We help uh, mobile app developers grow full stack work. So if you got a really good app, but you don't have a marketing team, um, talk to us about it. We're, we're pretty picky. We try to just work with those companies whose apps we really believe in and like sincerely think that we can scale. Um, but if we work with you, we're doing the creative production for the ads in the app store, helping to optimize your ASO, scaling your UA, um, 
we've got our predictive marketing analytics uh, offerings too, and a team focused on that. So uh, it's pretty full stack, and we're always trying to find developers that are leading in their categories or we think are are innovating. And you don't have to be big right now; um, you just have to be doing something uh, really cool, and we want it. We want to talk to you. So if that's uh, ever interesting, or if you're interested in using our ASO automation suite, which is a self-serve tool that's uh, really cool, easy to use, and a great way to increase your conversion, uh, just check out our website. It's uptick.com, U-P-P-T-I-C.com. Awesome. Talk soon.